We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Streetcast on Rotoviz Radio. Brought to you by their back, Dan of the Dynasty, Dynasty Dan. We're back with our good friends, our best friends. They were with us all offseason long. They're back for the big game week. Underdog Fantasy is back, supporting the pod, supporting the Rotoviz channel. How are you, Dan? Are you excited to be back with Underdog? You know I am excited to be back with Underdog. We We love Underdog. That was very obvious all season long. And you said it, they're back for the big one, and uh, it's going to be a fun week with with all the different contests and whatnot that they've got going on. So we'll hear a little bit more from them later, but uh, I I mean, hey, you know how I feel about Underdog. I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. Not the Super Bowl. (laughs) Hold on, Justin. No, if it's not in an ad, we're allowed to say Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is this weekend. We're now done with the ad. Make sure that there's no... We didn't even start the ad yet. There's no ad. That, that, that's how much we love underdog is that that wasn't an ad for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> um, here we go today ahead of the big game, ahead of the Super Bowl, we're going to be talking about high variance off season players. Now, typically when you talk about high variance off season players, you're talking about guys that might be traded guys that might be free agents, guys that might, you know, lose their job to the draft or free agency. We're going to try to avoid those for the most part. There's going to be some of those guys that could fall into one of those categories, but really, these are going to be guys that the, the situation around them is going to be changing or possibly changing, which may decrease or increase their value. Make sense, Dan? Obviously makes sense. You came up with it. Absolutely. All right. So we'll start off with, with a trio of quarterbacks. Uh, we're we're going to go down the line uh, you know, by talent, uh, if, <laughs> according to most people, at least, I guess. Number one, Justin Herbert is one that you threw in as a high-variance offseason player. Um, it seems like the the worst kept secret ever that Keenan Allen is headed towards being a cap cut, something that we'll talk about in, in future weeks. Mike Williams has been inconsistent throughout his career. He's been a deep threat, but not quite the you know wide receiver one that many expected. I've actually seen quite a few mock drafts that have had Jackson Smith and Jigba being Chargers bound, which I think would be exciting as, as a Keenan Allen replacement. Um, but 
where are you at with Herbert's dynasty value? What can happen this offseason that would hurt it? What, what, what could happen this offseason that could possibly help it? Well, you you nailed it right on the head with talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I think if if they can get a first-round wide receiver of really – I mean, obviously I would prefer Jackson, but, you know, uh, there's there's plenty of, of talent. I, I just – his floor is so incredibly high because of his ability and because, yes, he's had Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen hasn't really been Keenan Allen for – let's say four years, probably three years. And Mike Williams has been great for what Mike Williams is. We, we saw one year from him where it was like, that's that guy that, that can make Justin Herbert QB one. And then they decide in 2022 and slash 2023. Nope. We're, we're not going to use that guy that way anymore. We're not going to pepper him. We're not going to use him as an actual wide receiver one. We're going to go back to him being just a red zone and, and deep threat and then not use him in the red zone either. <laughs> so I, I I think Staley's usage of, well, that's not necessarily Staley's usage, but the Chargers usage of Mike Williams is probably the most concerning in terms of not necessarily Justin Herbert's future, but his ability to have more consistent big games. I still think his floor is really high, like I said, because he is very good. And I do think that they'll add some talent. The issue is this free agent class sucks. So they really can't go and get anybody unless they're going to re-sign Keenan Allen after cutting him. And unless they go back to using Mike Williams the way they were using him, I don't know if if that guy is either A, on the team, or B, available outside of using a very high pick, which they'll probably have to trade up to get one of the top one of the top wide receivers, if that's their goal, or they're going to have to use that pick to try to get potentially an expiring or uh, a rookie that's maybe going to be out of their contract. A name that would probably not be overly surprising would be someone like T. Higgins. Yeah, and I, I think that it's up in the air whether T. Higgins ends up getting traded, but also I, I don't necessarily think the Chargers seem like a, a good fit. It, it's a good fit in the fact that Justin Herbert's a great quarterback and T. Higgins is a great wide receiver, but I think there's very little in terms of fit that fits there other than those two things. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you that Herbert – here's the thing with Herbert is that he is in Tier 2 of, of Dynasty quarterbacks under the, the Allen Mahomes tier, and what happens at the wide receiver position is going to fluctuate what happens – where he is in tier two. If, if the crazy situation happens where they keep Keenan Allen and they draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, he has a chance of being QB three. If they let Keenan Allen go draft Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's probably in the middle of tier two, tier two. And then if they don't invest highly in a rookie wide receiver and they let Keenan Allen go, he's at the bottom of, of tier two, but he's still in tier two regardless. And he has that, that weekly floor. He has that seasonal floor. So I, I think he's high variance within tier two, but I don't think there's anything that can happen that can either move him up, you know, uh, like you could conceivably talk about a Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jackson, and Jigba that could potentially get into that Smith, Smith, uh, Allen Mahomes tier, but most likely not. He, he's still stuck at like the, the, the very top at the, as best case scenario. Yeah, I think his floor is just too high for him to have any crazy swings. Like, I could see Justin Fields making a big swing into, like, the middle or the top of Tier 2 if they build around him and we start to see him do the things that we saw him do at Ohio State that we just haven't seen in Chicago yet. But, um, yeah, as, as, far as, as far as Herbert goes, I, I, think, I think, like you said, there's variance within that range. 
I just he's too good for him to fall by the wayside. I mean, it, it's I don't want to say it's the same as Patrick Mahomes, but it's similar. Mahomes doesn't need people to throw to. He'll throw to whoever, and he's so good that the, he'll make them catch it with how good the throw is, right? I mean, he, yes, he has Travis Kelsey, which is a huge. That's a that's a great thing to have. You you have that safety outlet, and everybody should have that. That's what quarterbacks strive for, and that's what Keenan Allen was for Justin Herbert over the last few years. So hopefully they can find something. Maybe we can see twenty twenty one Mike Williams show back up. Um, but I do expect them to go after whether they're drafting a big name or trading for a big name. I I, I think it's in their best, um, you know, their their plan to find somebody to replace what Keenan Allen was, not what he is now. All right, let's move on to the player you hinted at just a minute ago, and that is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is an interesting one because I think that there's two things. I think he's a high variance offseason player. I think it's an, he's an even higher variance in-season player where I think that he can you know get near the top of tier two he could be in the bottom of tier two he could be in tier three depending on what happens the offseason and then of course the beginning of next season um but the biggest thing with Justin Fields and the Bears is they have like a mold of clay right now in the in the form of a number one pick what they do with that number one pick could have a large impact on the future of Justin Fields if they literally just like select Jalen Carter or uh, one of the other, you know, defensive linemen, then this is a huge whiff and is concerning for the future of Justin Fields um, because they don't have the 32nd pick because they traded it for Chase Claypool, meaning that the development of J- Justin Fields is reliant on Chase Claypool and I guess like a, you know, mid to late second round pick. Um, they're going to be reliant on trading down to four, trading down to, you know, you know, eight and picking up either another first round pick this year, another first round pick next year. And, you know, some people have, um, you know, gushed over the possibility of a Justin Fields to Marvin Harrison Jr. in 2024 type of deal. Um, but for me, I think in the offseason, his floor is actually pretty high. I think that his ceiling is the is the more exciting concept with the mold of clay of the number one pick. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that his floor changes all that much, depending on what happens in this offseason. Yeah, I still think his floor, uh, especially in the offseason, is is pretty darn low only because Chicago has so many holes to fill and he needs weapons because, yeah, he can do it with his legs. But teams started to kind of figure that out, you know, at least with someone like Jalen Hurts, he has the potential of making a good throw down the field. He has that awareness. He has that ability. Justin Fields, we saw that in college. The NFL is a different game. It's faster. Those guys are stronger. They're getting to you quicker. And as fast as and quick as he is, you're still not going to outrun everybody. Somebody's going to get you. So I, I think there's a – and I also think there's a non-zero chance that he's traded. I know that sounds crazy, but they have the first pick. If they fall in love with C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, who, you know, we'll see. But if they if they fall in love with one of these guys – they could very easily move Justin Fields to someone like Baltimore, who already has that offense in place for Lamar Jackson, who, I don't know if you've noticed, Nathan, Justin Fields is pretty darn similar. And they have more weapons. They That could automatically be an upgrade. And the offense is in a better spot. You know, whatever. So I want him to stay in Chicago. I think I think they can continue to build around him. I do think he is a franchise quarterback. 
he just needs help. I, I don't think he doesn't have the arm talent of a Justin Herbert who doesn't need the help. He, he'd be fine. He's going to stay in his in his tier. But Justin Fields needs help. We know he's an elite athlete. We know he's amazing with his legs. He has that vision and he can make all of the throws. He just needs he just needs guys around him. Now let's move on to Sam Howell. Sam Howell is a player that has three. Honestly, all three are very realistic offseason outcomes. The three are entering the season. He's the clear QB one, clear starter with Washington. And they have like a Blaine Gabbert type backup quarterback who isn't threatening for the job. He has a key competing for the job where he's competing with a fellow draft pick or a, fe- a fellow like middle tier, you know, quarterback that could be a starter, could be, could be a backup. Or the third scenario is he's the clear QB2 behind a higher draft pick or a Derek Carr. Right now, the, the reports out of Washington are that, that Howell is in the, in the intended starter. Um, but there could be a lot of QB movement in the 2023 offseason. So out of those three buckets, where do you think Sam Howell lands for this offseason? Well, I think the third option, honestly, seems most likely right now. Everything we've heard and seen from from Washington is that they love Sam Howell. I think they wanted to get him going. That, that would be the that would be the first bucket, then, not the third. Didn't you say that he's the starter? That was the first one I said. Oh, I don't know why. I'd, maybe I stopped <laughs> listening after you said the first one. Um, okay, sorry. So yeah, I, I think he's. I think most likely is that he retains this job, and I, I think they do genuinely like him. So. And then that defense is is strong. That's their biggest asset right now. But they do have the weapons to go along with it. You, you've you've got Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. You have scary not scary Terry F one McLaurin, and you have a Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel, I believe, is still under contract. I don't think he's a free agent. Yeah, yet. I think he signed like a three year deal when he started. Yeah. So that right there, along with someone like Logan Thomas, who's kind of that wily veteran tight end, I think he actually might be a, a free agent. Um, but either way, you've got weapons to start with. Now, if you believe in Sam Howell, that's a really nice place to start. I, I I think that they continue to try to build the rest of the team knowing that quarterbacks are it's seemingly more available now than they've ever been. And I think building the team first and then putting in a quarterback, whether that's Sam Howell, whether that's Aaron Rodgers in two years, whether that's Derek Carr in, in you know, a year, whatever it happens to be. I, I just think that they're a couple of guys away from from being, you know, and, and the scary part is the NFC East is an absolute monster right now. But I think they're a couple of guys away from being right there with the Eagles, uh, right there with the Cowboys. The Giants proved that they can hang in there even with a bad quarterback. So I, I, I do think that they stick Sam Howell, I think, Unless something becomes available that they just can't turn down. You know, if one of these, if, if Stroud's available or Bryce Young is available, somebody slides to to wherever they're drafting at. I think they're in the middle of the pack, right? They're like 15, 16. Yeah. Um, if, if, they're, if one of those guys, for whatever reason, slides, then I think you have to take one of them unless they are sliding for the reasons that you also dislike. But... I, I have a little bit of faith in Sam Howell. We talked about Sam Howell like three years ago, thinking that this could have been one of the guys. Yeah, my, my concerns, like I'm a huge, big Sam Howell guy, and I, I think that he should be the, the week one starter for Washington. My concerns with Washington are twofold. 
A, he was a day three pick. And how often do you see a day three pick that really didn't do much as a rookie? Not that he really had the chance to, but didn't do much as a rookie. Enter year two uncontested. Like, I think that at the very least, there's some sort of competition, even if it's like a, a veiled fake one. Yeah. So I, I, I lean toward it. There being some sort of competition, hopefully, uh, as a Sam Howell advocate, it's 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 a competition that he's going to win. And so, yeah, that's what, kind of where I'm at with, with Howell. And then the, the other the other concern is that Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. And so that could result in them going after a Rodgers. Not, not that I think that Rodgers would ever go to that organization, but them going after a Derek Carr or a Andy Dalton or, you know, a guy like that, that the classic, like, Coach on the hot seat gets this guy to tr- just to try to avoid getting fired. I think that that's definitely, unfortunately, a possibility for Washington because Rivera is on the hot seat. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, Carr could make sense. I, I would essentially lock in Rodgers to Vegas at this point. And then I think what would end up happening there is Carr is probably going to go to the Jets. I think that's probably his more clear line to playoffs if that is his goal. Uh, even though you still now have to go through the Bills, you still have the Patriots, uh, you still have the Dolphins. I think the options at quarterback for teams that have potential like Washington, like the Jets, are in absolutely loaded divisions. So it, here's here's a name now as we're wrapping up Sam Halta. If Washington were to sign Jimmy Garoppolo, is Jimmy Garoppolo guaranteed a week one job? Yeah, I think I don't think he's going there unless he's starting. Because I believe well, sure. I believe he believes he and and not like a well I should be starting like I want to you know I want the opportunity he he is a starter level quarterback whether you whether what you, I don't I'm not saying he's great but yeah. he's better than a lot of starters right now and yeah I mean I I, I think that in my opinion the Gar- the Garoppolo car landing spots one's gonna go to the Saints one's gonna go to the Jets it's it's like that's pretty much it. it seems like it's locked in there maybe a potential for Gar- Garoppolo to the Buccaneers but they don't have the money um, well and that team you know and that team's not not really in a position to be going out and spending a bunch on a quarterback when they have an entire team to replace because they've got yeah. nothing left. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the commander's backfield before we get out of Washington entirely. Um, the, this is an interesting one because I think that part of it is who their quarterback is going to be. Part of it's going to be how these two players are used, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. Do you think we see, you know, more of the same where it's, uh, you know, pretty evenly 40, 60, 60, 40 type split? Or do you think one of these guys takes, you know, takes the bull by the horns? Or do one of these guys potentially lose their job to a free agent or a rookie? No, I think this backfield is is kind of in the place where we've seen the NFL trend to where you just have a, a committee. And, you know, that sucks for fantasy football. But at the same time, you know, you can't really blame the team. Brian Robinson has proven to be pretty darn good. And, you know, we, we've seen all sorts of everything from Antonio Gibson, good, bad, ugly. And... You know, coming out of college, he, he was he was going to be more the pass catching guy. That was kind of the assumption. And then Washington goes and gets Curtis Samuel, who seems that kind of makes those those players are redundant. And now you have Brian Robinson, you have Antonio Gibson, and you have Curtis Samuel. We know Curtis Samuel is playing wide receiver, but I also think that Antonio Gibson makes as much sense for that type of role while also still getting some carries. So I think you're going to see a lot of the the three of them doing, you know, backfield things, running, running different, (laughs) different variations of, of the same play. But uh, what I don't think we'll see is an uptick in Brian Robinson's usage in the passing game. 
I think he is essentially going to be your banger. And and then they kind of lean on their playmakers uh, for the pass-catching portion of that. So it is high variance uh, because it's all going to depend on game script, really, which which sucks, but they're good players. So I, I think they're still going to have a semi-decent floor, but I don't think it's going to be to the point where it's startable. You might get away with starting Antonio Gibson just because of his pass-catching prowess and, and that floor because we've seen him do enough. It's just a, it's a tough spot. I, I, I think Brian Robinson's going to continue to get like 200 carries and then you'll have Antonio Gibson getting like 80 targets. All right, let's move on to the Texans backfield in the form of Damian Pierce. His variance is, can, is probably, probably one of the more high variant players in all of fantasy football right now. Um, because a, he has a chance to get much better in an offense with a rookie quarterback as CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. Uh, and he has the chance to potentially lose his job because he is a day three running back with no job security and the Texans have draft picks. So which end of the spectrum are you looking at for Damian Pierce? Are you looking at, you know, no, no RB competition and a rookie quarterback equals potential top five quarterback or, uh, you know, possibly getting replaced by a day two running back? No, I see, I think running backs in a weird place now in the NFL because everyone's finally realizing that they're just not worth anything unless they are actual elite talents that are playmakers like your Christian McCaffrey's, dare I say Saquon Barkley, uh, what Delvin Cook was, what Alvin Kamara was, what Derrick Henry kind of still might be a little bit. And Damian Pierce isn't that guy. I think he's a starting level NFL running back, but he isn't. He he's not an elite back. He's not Jonathan Taylor. He's not Brees Hall. He's not Kenneth Walker. He's he's fine. But I think if the Texans are smart, which we all know that they've proven that they really aren't, if they're smart, they just kind of hang with Pierce. Maybe add uh, a you know a, a decent backup, a de- decent change of pace guy, whether that's later later in the draft or free agency or whatever it is, and just kind of roll with it because the less you have invested at running back the better, in my opinion. Uh, that, that'll free them up to add wide receivers. Uh, who knows what the future holds for John Mechie. Uh, I'd love to see him back on the field because I do think he's a special player as well. And I would anticipate them adding pass catchers wherever they can. They do need a quarterback. That That's a team that's kind of has, having to start from ground zero, unfortunately. And um, I, I just, yeah, I think Pierce is honestly a, pretty safe. Uh, unless the Texans do Texan things and decide to go draft, like, I, I don't know, Jameer Gibbs or something for absolutely no reason. Yeah, and I, I think that the the point you're saying where his his ceiling is capped because he isn't the Jonathan Taylor, he's not the DeAndre Swift level of athlete level of running back. But, yeah, I, I think that more likely than not, it ends up being somewhere in the middle where it's good because the quarterback gets better. And he doesn't like maybe they draft like a fifth or sixth round running back to you know play alongside him. So I think overall, uh, Damian Pierce is going to have a good but not great offseason. Now, before we get into the second half of the show of our high variance offseason players, let's hear about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. That's right, folks. Underdog is back with the trade cast. And the easiest way to get in on the action for the big game is Underdog Fantasy and their Pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite Chiefs or Eagles stats for the big game. And if you get all of your picks right, you could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and app. 
and they're making it even easier with a very special pick for the big game. Starting today, yes, I said today, you'll be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts higher or lower than 0.5 total yards. That's right, 0.5 yards. He quite literally needs one yard in the game in order to go higher. Pair this with at least one other correct pick with a max entry of $20, and you could be taking home some cold, hard cash. Again, visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store, and don't forget to register with our promo code, ROTOVIZ. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, and you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Again, make sure you sign up today with promo code ROTOVIZ and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com, find them in the App Store, and don't forget to use the promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. They're going to double your first deposit up to $100. Must be 18 years or older. President of the state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Make sure you visit ncpgambling.org or call the hotline at 1-800-522-4700. Underdog, we love you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get into the second half of the show. We have our next one is Javante Williams. Obviously had this season-ending injury in 2022. And I've been kind of, you know, simmering over here talking about it's an interesting time to buy Denver Broncos. And I've never been a big Javante Williams advocate. But I do think that now may be starting time to buy Javante Williams. Coming off an injury... The offense is still in limbo in terms of people wondering if is Russell Wilson cooked or is he going to start cooking. And the biggest thing for me is that the Broncos don't have a ton of assets to dedicate to the RB position. So if I think that the, the Broncos are going to be a at least a serviceable offense in 2023, then I should be going out to buy Javante Williams. Convince me why I should or should not be doing that, Dan. Well... If it makes you feel better, I, I've got egg on my face from that draft saying that I would prefer Michael Carter at his price than Javante Williams at his. I still believe Javante well, Williams. The, well, the answer, answer there, answer there was neither. Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> I still believe Javante Williams was and potentially is overpriced. However, he showed that he could do it. This offense is in, you know, the, the offense as a whole probably has the highest variance of anything on this list that we've talked about. They could go back to, like you said, Russ Cooking. Or, you know, him burning everything in the kitchen and the whole place down. 
or I mean, you know, you've got so many weapons, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, who we're talking about right now. Uh, who knows if they're going to add other players, but Javante to me, it, it just feels like all of the hype has kind of finally died off a little bit where he might be in that buy category, because at this point we assume he is going to be the starting running back with maybe a little bit of competition, but in 2021, we, we saw him in that split with Melvin Gordon, and he still looked significantly better and honestly dominated. And, and in a short you know period this year, it was a little slower. But again, that 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 whole deal was awful, and he wasn't necessarily getting the looks for it. So he's kind of on par with with his career numbers through those four games. But I, I just I feel like it's inevitable that he gets more usage or at the very least, similar usage with higher efficiency because hopefully this offense finally gets better. Yeah, so it, it does seem like that Javante Williams is a solid buy right now. And speaking of like variance, I think that the in the Broncos offense and Williams and the wide receivers, the variance isn't necessarily in what's going to happen because I, I do think that there's going to be minimal things added. I mean, Sean Payton was added. Sean Payton's the, the big part that was added. I guess we haven't even talked about that on this podcast. But going from uh, you know, the previous coach to Sean Payton is a net positive, even if you aren't the biggest Sean Payton fan in the world. And that should help Williams and, and the other weapons. So yeah, I, I generally think that the offseason variance might be minimal in terms of what's actually tangible. And it's more so about I think that it's going to be just some people yelling Broncos are, are terrible. Some people yelling the Broncos are back. So that, that's going to be the variance. Yeah. And I mean, that's with, with Peyton, you, uh, we would hope that this offense kind of returns to form uh, or finds form. Cause I don't know that they ever had a, a form to return to, uh, but it's definitely going to be better than what it has been over the last couple of years. I, 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 I don't know how it gets worse. All right, next we'll go to Tyler Algier, who kind of has a similar situation to uh, to Damian Pierce in the Texans. Obviously had a solid rookie season, maybe not, maybe not as good as Pierce. Um, and you look at it on per-game basis, all those different things. Uh, but Tyler Algier, some uncertainty at the quarterback position is Desmond Ritter, the 2023 starter. I, I tend to lean towards, yes, that Ritter is going to get a shot here and that they aren't going to invest in the quarterback in the draft, at least until 2024. So. What are your thoughts on Algier? What are some things that could help his dynasty value? What are some things that could hurt his dynasty value in 2023? Well, uh, something that can hurt, obviously, is them them going after one of the really good available running backs in free agency or one of the few very good ones in the draft. Um, again, much like Damian Pierce, I don't see Ty- Tyler Algier as a, a big difference maker. I think he is an average to slightly above average back that – Definitely belongs in the NFL and definitely should be seeing snaps. Obviously, they could upgrade. I, I don't think there's any argument that that they couldn't upgrade. But I I also think that it was kind of just a, a little bit of of the situation. You know, he wasn't really involved in the passing game. Uh, obviously, with Des Ritter, that towards the end, that that wasn't going to necessarily be an easy transition to getting other backs involved that he hasn't had you know the chance really to work much with. But it's hard to scoff at 200 carries for over 1,000 yards. Um, the, the touchdowns, obviously, on the low end, we kind of expect that when you've got someone like Cordero Patterson, who's obviously going to be getting the, the ball in the red zone. 
for a lot of those looks. Marcus Mariota earlier in the season was was taking some of that red zone stuff. And um, I, I do think that, uh, much like Pierce, I think Algier would be smart for the Falcons to just lean on him while they have this window of a rookie contract so they don't have to invest highly at running back. Obviously, you still uh, is Cordero under contract or is he a free agent now? I think he's a free agent. So, but that I mean that potentially frees up a decent amount of money where you don't necessarily have to spend it. You go back, you find another player in a similar spot where they drafted Tyler Algier, and I, I just I think that might be the future of running back. You either have to be an elite difference making guy. Or you're just kind of kind of get the scraps. That seems unfortunate, but it's kind of the nature of the beast. It's what the NFL has become. It's been much more wide receiver centric, tight end centric. Obviously, quarterback is a necessity, uh, and then building a defense because yeah, I mean that we always hear the 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 phrase defense wins championships, but you got to get there, and usually it's the offense getting you there. We we see a lot of the teams with those high end defenses that just fall short. I mean, look at the New York Jets. They clearly didn't have a quarterback falls short the washington commanders they have a really nice defense no quarterback really fall short of the playoffs the giants yeah danny dimes had an okay season solid defense fall short so i think i think if des ritter is that guy for for the falcons i think that's a really good thing for tyler algier because that's one more person that that they're familiar with i think there's a non-zero chance that they go after Trey Lance, who I think that they wanted during that draft, uh, and they got leapfrogged by San Francisco. So I, I think there is a lot of variance for this whole team. But I think, again, like the Texans, if if Atlanta is smart, they'll just hold Tyler Algier. They'll let him be the starter. They'll backfill that position as needed, and they'll attend to the rest of the roster because they still need wide receivers. Obviously, you have Kyle Pitts. That defense is absolutely atrocious. You don't know. I guess we don't know if quarterback is solved. But, you know, that, that it's it's a position they don't need to worry about. That I think it's that simple. All right. Let's go to our next player, which will be the wide receiver position. It is the Panthers wide receiver, DJ Moore. Uncertainty at the quarterback position. Sam Darnold, I believe, is a free agent. They don't really have much else. They experimented with Baker Mayfield briefly. Um, you know, potential for trading up in the draft. Where where do we see this Panthers offense going in 2023? Who do they bring in for coach? I forget. Uh, Reich. Yeah, well, that right there, I think, is, is important for the offense uh, in its own Reich. Uh, sorry. Um... <laughs> Well, DJ Moore has done nothing but produce, and it's it's hard to say that things can really get worse after his, I, I would say, second worst season, even though he had his most touchdowns last year. You know, he, he his targets were similar to 2020. 2021, he was an absolute, just a, a, tog, a, a, a hog for targets. Hit 163 in 2021, which is absurd, which... Yeah, I don't think is is really that attainable level, but I do think he'll be more in the 130-ish range now with these 17-game seasons, maybe even up to 140, uh, because he is that guy, in my opinion. I think there's some real variance for DJ Moore where he can get up to a, a much higher tier. I think he can actually skip a tier because of how he's kind of thought of 
because of Carolina, not because of DJ Moore. And he's going to be 26 for the start of the season. So we're entering prime right now, theoretically. The theoretical prime is that 26 to 29, 27 to 30 kind of kind of range for a lot of these guys. Obviously, you want them to be great when they're young. He has been great. He's young. Uh, I think he can do every bit of what Brandon Cooks has done, and I think he can be that guy where he's probably going to be undervalued in fantasy, but valued at the NFL level, even though he potentially moves around. I don't see DJ Moore necessarily moving around. I think he'll he'll potentially be undervalued at wide receiver for fantasy purposes, which he shouldn't be because again, he's done nothing but produce. If they can find anything at quarterback, anything that can't get worse than what 2022 was. And I think we could agree on that. No. Yeah. Absolutely. That was absolute mess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that That's, that's as bad as it can possibly get for a wide receiver slash quarterback situation where you just genuinely have no idea what's going on and you still finish as a wide receiver too. And don't even have a thousand yards receiving. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's still a massive ceiling opportunity for for DJ Moore as far as value goes, but I, I don't think his play has done anything to deter us from from him. Yeah, no. The reason why I have him on this list is that if the Panthers do land a top rookie quarterback, if the Panthers do possibly land like a Derek Carr, like. If they land basically an above average NFL quarterback or even like a slightly above average NFL quarterback, DJ Moore ha- goes back into having like top 12, top 14 wide receiver potential. And I, and he's even, and he's shown with poor quarterback play, even with poor quarterback play, his floor is like wide receiver like 18 to 24 on a per game basis. So, um, big fan of DJ Moore. And I think that this offseason can only, can only go up from, from 2022. All right, let's move on to another guy who is going to have some variance at the quarterback position, and it is Michael Pittman Jr. Not not a guy who I was the biggest fan of, but he had a lot of volume, and he he, he was very solid with his volume. I think that, that there were some expectations that he was going to vault into some top 10 wide receiver, and he wasn't that, but he got the volume, which was impressive, and he did okay with it. So where are we at with Michael Pittman Jr. entering 2023? Well, I think he's probably similar to DJ Moore. I mean, DJ Moore has done it now. He's he's through five years in his NFL career. And, you know, Michael Pittman's kind of on that path. He, he's in a very similar spot, an underwhelming team with underwhelming quarterback play, but he's performing. He did so in 2021 as well. He had over 1,000 yards. Uh, you know, the, the touchdowns should come with time. Let, let's hope they, they find that quarterback and, and things change around a little bit. Uh, the one the one thing that was a little tiny bit concerning for me this year was his Jarvis Landry type numbers. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting all the targets, all the catches, but doing absolutely nothing with them because not only is the quarterback bad, but that's just the way the offense was built. So I don't want to necessarily blame that on Michael Pittman. I just don't want it to continue to trend that way because in his rookie season and his sophomore season, he averaged over 12 yards per catch. Last year, he averaged nine. That's that's bad. Yes, it has everything to do with the quarterback, the team, the offense, the whatever. I just don't want them to be like, oh, we can continue to use him like that because that was effective. Uh, that, that would be very bad. They need to get him back to catching the ball down the field a little bit more, creating space for him to do what he needs to do. Uh, but yeah, I think I think much like uh, what we talked about with DJ Moore, Michael Pittman is kind of in that same trajectory. They obviously need a quarterback. I think Frank Reich helps, or not Frank Reich, um, who's the Colts 
They haven't, they haven't got anybody yet. Okay. That's, I don't know why. I probably thought of Frank Reich because of Colts. I, I think, I, I don't know necessarily that it matters a ton for, for Pittman. The, you know, this, this team is kind of lacking a lot. They've got Michael Pittman. They've got Jonathan Taylor. Outside of that, you know, you've got a, a decent to, to good line where you could probably protect a middle of the road quarterback a little bit better. This could be a spot for someone like Derek Carr. This could be a spot for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a very clean line to to starting. So I would love to see them get somebody capable of getting the ball down the field. I'd love to see them add a wide receiver across from Michael Pittman that that can help. Uh, and then keeping Jonathan Taylor healthy. And, and this offense could be quite good. They, they just they need the quarterback. Coach obviously is going to help. They need to keep people healthy like anybody does. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think Michael Pittman – I, I would probably keep at the back end of the same tier of DJ Moore, and DJ Moore has the opportunity to jump a tier. Makes sense. All right. Well, wrap up the show. We're going to wrap the show with one tight end. We're not going to do two tight ends. That's ridiculous. So, Dan, who has the higher variance? Who has the higher variance for the 2023 offseason? Is it Tyler Higby with the uncertainty with the quarterbacks of the Rams, or is it the Seahawks, Noah Fant with Geno Smith up in the air? Well, uh, we I think both love Noah Fant, or at least loved at yeah. one point. This is going to be a contract year for for Noah Fant. So 2023, I think, potentially could be a little bit safer for Noah Fant. Yes, we don't really know what is ahead of us with the quarterback position if, if Geno Smith can I, continue I, I, the horseshoe in his butt. The reason why I err on that Noah Fant probably doesn't have much as much variance as, as Higby is that I think that it's very unlikely that, that Gino is not the starting quarterback for the Seahawks at this point. So that's a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, just like Noah Fant, Tyler Higby is also potentially in a contract year. I think the whole back half of his contract is void uh, or can be void if the option isn't picked up, but he's also, 30 or 31 and uh i think noah fant is like 25 so i i think i think the higher variance short term is higby just because we don't know because the rams are very bad we'll see if stafford can come back at 100 percent, which seems probably unlikely that team is headed in, in an unfortunate direction uh, whereas with fans, he, he's still got a lot of time left, and and he uh, like like some of these other guys we've talked about, he's done nothing but produce for the most part. He's had some slow times and some and you know bad stretches, but he still continues to perform, and and he's still young. So I think if I'm if I'm going out and, and attempting to buy, I, I think Noah Fant continues to be a very nice buy for tight end needy teams. Uh, tight end premium, two tight end leagues, whatever you want to talk about. I, I think, I think Fant is much safer. So I guess Higby probably has the higher variance, he, where he could get to Fant, but he could also be entirely unusable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the biggest thing, and this is the case with like, once you get outside of the, you know, the Hawkinson pits, like the, the guys that are getting like higher volume, 
you're really just looking for touchdowns. Yep. And the question is, how many touchdowns are either of these teams, either of these guys <laughs> going to be scoring? Like the, the Seahawks and the Rams are not prolific touchdown scores. I mean, obviously Seahawks probably have a little bit of a advantage with Geno over whatever is the QB2 for the Rams. So that was going to get worry with Higby. Nothing, it's not like Higby has a large amount of dynasty value, but if you're going into 2023 as with Higby as your, your primary starter, I would be worried about how, how TD dependent he is and how little touchdowns the Rams 2023 offense is going to score. I, well, yeah. And I, and I think the one, the one thing going for Higby potentially is the difference in usage. It's a pretty significant leap to go from Higby's 105 targets down to Noah Fant's 60. Uh, I think that could be a product of the environment, you know, with the DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett, Gino, uh, the whole bit, the trade, obviously having a little bit to do with it, but, but also Higby, he's not doing anything with those 105 targets. You know, another, another guy that had a little bit over a hundred targets is someone like Mark Andrews. And now I'm not saying that Higby needs to be the same as Mark Andrews, but he's doing significantly more with very similar targets. So I, I think, I think Higby is essentially just a, a, a bucket that you can throw a ball into and then he'll fall over uh, very much like Zach Ertz. So yeah, I, I still think I'm, if I'm acquiring, I'm, I'm going for Fant in the hopes that they continue to use him uh, or maybe he's a hold for a year and, and he finds a good home in 2024. But yeah, it, tight end is, is such just a hodgepodge of humans that, I mean, we both, dislike talking about tight ends i think but even though we always we always seem to have a tight end segment nathan i don't know what's going on here who's scheduling these things <laughs> all righty that should help wrap us up for today thank you to our friends over at underdog enjoy the big game dan do you, do you have a pick for the big game uh i believe the eagles will be win winning handily the big game yeah i, I think that like the in the terms of like likelihood of outcomes I think it's Eagles big, Chiefs narrowly, Eagles small. I think that's the the, the three most likely outcomes. Yeah, no, I, and I I think that's about what would make the most sense. The only the only potential thing that could happen is obviously injuries. If if the Eagles lose anybody on defense, I think that changes pretty quickly. Uh, but I also don't think that the Chiefs are going to stop the Eagles. So there's okay, that. and then. One last one. This is not a advertisement or betting segment or anything like that. But Dan, if you uh, if you're predicting a non quarterback to win MVP, who do you have? Travis Kelsey. Hassan Reddick. That well, yeah. If it's the Eagles, if it's the Eagles, I think it is going to be a defensive player. Um, but I think the with the narrow, I think there's a good chance that, that the Chiefs win narrowly, <laughs> as you put it. And I think in that situation, it's going to be Travis Kelsey because he's going to have like 12 catches for 300 yards and eight touchdowns. It's going <laughs> to that's the only way they win is if he absolutely goes nuclear. All righty, that's wraps up. Enjoy the big game. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!